Welcome to the Victory of the Lamb podcast. We are a simple, straightforward Bible teaching church in Katy, Texas. If you are in the area, we'd love for you to stop by anytime. Otherwise, we hope you use this podcast to grow in your faith and be confident in sharing it with many. You can find us online at VOTL.org. We hope you enjoy this message, and God bless your week. God's faithfulness reaches to the heavens, His love to the skies, and great mercy and peace be yours in abundance today as you lean on Him to have the pride versus love showdown in your heart go better than it would otherwise. Pride goes before the fall. I know you've heard that before. And in India this past week, there was a very clear example of that. A 55-year-old farmer named Deshendra Mishra caught a snake in his neighbor's house. And the snake wasn't just any old snake. It was the common crate snake, K-R-A-I-T. And it's one of the big four, one of the four most deadly snakes in India and Pakistan. Approximately 10,000 people at least, I suppose, die every year in India, Pakistan, from this snake and its venom. So Mr. Mishra catches a snake from his neighbor, a very loving thing, but then he proceeds to wrap the snake around his neck and show off to the villagers and walk around and take a video of himself doing this. Then he has video of him taking the snake off of his neck and putting it around a five-year-old girl's neck in the village. And then back on his own neck, strutting around, puffed up. You know how the story ends, don't you? The snake bites him, and even though he tried some medication, he died the next day. It wasn't such an uncommon thing for this particular guy to be walking around with a snake, in a sense, because... He was known for catching them in the village. He had caught over 200 in his life. Perhaps that helped his pride to be too proud. And pride goes before the fall. Now here's the thing about the pride versus love showdown that I think is really important for all of you to download today into your heart. It'd be really tough, wouldn't it, in the world to find someone who would say, no, that farmer wasn't proud. Everybody would say, pride went before the fall. He got what he deserved. Pride is bad. Acting like him is bad. And it's also pretty hard to find someone who would say, love is bad. Because generally, everybody thinks pride is a negative trait to have. Love is a positive trait to have. And yet, if we are honest... And if we step back and look inside our soul like Jesus does, we see pride oozing everywhere. And love is tougher to find. As Jesus confronts us today with his word in the pride versus love showdown, we don't just need him to give us information. We already know pride is bad and love is good. We need him to do something more. We need Him to give us a heart transplant. Something totally different than what we naturally have because otherwise we will never get anywhere in this battle. 
And it's as though we're walking around in pride with this venomous pride around our soul, thinking that it's harmless, ready to be doomed. We meet Jesus on the pages of scriptures today as he's talking about pride versus love and the showdown in each of our hearts as he's entering a house of a prominent Pharisee, a wealthy, proud man, and everybody wanted to be invited to somebody's house like this. As Jesus was in the house, he was being carefully watched, but even though everyone else was on the edge of their seats with their eyes and hearts focused on Jesus, it wasn't because they wanted to listen to him. It was because they wanted to trap him in his words and then stir up opposition against him. So the people were watching Jesus with nothing but pride bubbling out of their hearts. And as Jesus noticed what they were doing and saying and thinking, not only did he read their hearts, he also realized here at dinner they are trying to one-up each other on who gets the guest of honor chair at the meal. He addressed the pride in their heart. The pride that is no problem trampling someone else in order for you to get ahead. Listen to what Jesus says about this. Verse 1 of Luke chapter 14. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. When he noticed how the guests picked their places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, hey, give this person your seat. Then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, Friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. No, I'm not going to blow up another balloon and pop it for you. But that is the picture behind Jesus' words here, isn't it? Those who puff themselves up, pop! from someone else, and it won't be fun. Those who stay humble will then be exalted by God in the end. As if this weren't enough to work on, the kind of pride in our hearts that sees someone else and wants to trample them to get ahead, Jesus next addresses the opposite, where you see someone who's higher up, someone who could maybe help you in the long run. Someone like this prominent Pharisee. And you in pride want to be good friends with them and you say nice things to them because you want them to do something for you later on. Jesus addresses that next in verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. 
although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. What a piece of scripture to have before our eyes. Do not trample someone else to be me first so you can get ahead. Do not butter up to someone who's higher up than you to be me first in the long run. And if we take Jesus' words to heart and spend some time thinking about them, it's not hard to find places where we have been wrong. Places where we have let the pride grow in our hearts like crazy. And love, if we're also willing to admit it, looking out for others simply because they need it and we're being generous is, is hard to find. The crate snake, that one wrapped around that guy's neck that bit him, something else I found out about it as I was reading about that story is that often its bite doesn't even hurt. And so a lot of people actually die from that snake biting them. In the night, they get bitten or something, and they didn't even know because it didn't hurt until it's too late. And I think that's actually a really good illustration of pride. You have it around your neck. You're petting it and stroking it. You think it's harmless. So does everybody else. You look in the world and there's nothing but a world full of people who are trying to one-up you before you can one-up them. Or being nice to someone higher so that they can have a one-up or two-up in the long run. It's not hard to see. We think it's common. And yet Jesus says, no, it is deadly. Don't be proud. Instead, have love. He who exalts himself will be humbled. He who humbles himself will be exalted. How does this impact our view of self? Be brave enough to ask, when have I been proud as I view myself, as I size myself up? How have I puffed up? When you say things like, I have all the answers, I don't need any help. I have all the facts, even though you probably don't. When you decide, whether you mean to or not, that all your problems are his fault and their fault and her fault, and if only they would get their act together and change, then my life would be so much better. That is pure pride. To blame someone else for your unsettled feelings, to blame someone else for you not fixing your eyes on God, but instead on, on them or on something that's, that's yucky? Refusing to own your share is because of pride. So as you size yourself up, we see too many times where we've been sinfully proud. As we size others up, blaming them, sometimes mercilessly, we also see too many times when we've been sinfully proud. Some of these people we don't even know. And yet we get furious when we hear about this on the news or, or watch that thing that we found online. When we size others up and think, my main goal here is to win the argument and not win the soul. That's pride. Slithering around our soul. And what about when we size up God? If you find yourself thinking, well, what can God do? 
But what can Jesus do for me? This lowly Savior on a cross? I mean, who wants a Savior like that? Who wants a Savior that's so wimpy and weak? I don't think that probably applies to us too much here, now. We know the Word. And that is a common thought maybe in other places, maybe not so much here. But then this one definitely is. When you flip from thinking Jesus is worthless because He can't help you at all, to thinking that Jesus is worthless because your problems are so big, he can't even help you with those. If you find yourself saying, I'm overwhelmed by my brokenness. I'm, I'm in the pits because of this and this and this and this. And God wouldn't even help me. He probably can't. He doesn't want to. That is pride. Because God has never said that. His faithfulness reaches the heavens. His love to the skies. He looks you in the eyes and says, you're worth dying for. And I can prove it by my cross. So much pride. And the worst part, as I said, is that it seems so common. It's harmless to live a me-first life. The approach where it's my world and everyone else just kind of happens to be here. Jesus confronts us today and says, I came for people like you. I didn't, I didn't come all the way from heaven to earth for people who had their act together. I came all the way from heaven to earth to wear your pride. Jesus was in heaven and with the opposite of pride, pure love for the loveless. He went all the way through life, sinless, willing to deal with Things like going to some rich guy's house when he's being carefully watched because they're trying to trip him up. Jesus, in love, put himself in that awkward spot and was glad to do it for their sake, not for his own. He took our arrogance and wore it to the cross. He took our pride, sizing ourselves up and puffing up Sizing others lower as we are so puffed up. Sizing even him up as someone who wouldn't help and couldn't. Jesus took all of that approach, all of that sinfulness, all of that heart attitude, petting this serpent that was venomous called pride. He took it and he died for it. He paid it in full. And because of his innocent death, his powerful resurrection, he now is exalted. God made the one who had no sin to be sin for us, and he now is exalted on high. He has the name that is above every name. He is the one to whom every tongue will confess. He is God and Lord. At Jesus' name, every knee will bow. No longer is he lowly. And he, the one who is in heaven and whose faithfulness and love for you reaches the heavens. Try measuring it. You can't. He says, I want to gird you with my loving armor so that you, when this pride versus love showdown happens in your soul, you see pride for what it is and you are empowered by me to do battle to have a totally different view than you otherwise would have of yourself, 
of others, and of God. And so with Jesus and his love in our heart, how do we now view ourselves? We view ourselves as puffed up people, but beggars for grace, which we have received. And now instead of living a puffed up life, we live a life of love. Looking out for someone in their time of need. Being willing to speak the truth in love to someone who the world would say is higher up. We see them as a beggar for grace. Being willing to bend over backwards for someone whom the world would say is lower than us. We're willing to help. They're a beggar for grace. We size ourselves up, owning our sin, dropping it at the cross, thankful for eternity, and then size others up as someone not to win the argument with, not to trample to get ahead, not to sweet talk in order to get something from them in return later on, but instead as someone who's a beggar for grace. No need to win the argument. I just want to win the soul. I see others as someone whom I would love to kneel before the cross together for all eternity. And that grabs my heart and gives me bright eyes when I wake up every morning. The opportunity to show love to someone who is in dire straits for love, who hasn't found it anywhere else except in Christ and a Christian friend, if God willing they have one. Maybe I can be that Christian friend for them. That's our approach towards others when Christ's love takes over. What about towards God? We fix our eyes on Him and are in awe that He would go so far, even to the cross, in order to save us. We fix our eyes on Him and marvel that He would go so far, even to the cross, to save them, even someone who otherwise would be an enemy of ours. And we certainly, when we're broken and hurting, Fight Satan off when he tries to poison us and say, God won't help you, God can't help you. No. We instead say the truth to ourselves as we size up God and say, His faithfulness reaches the skies. His love is immeasurable. It's wide, it's high, it's long and deep. And my goal in life is simply this, to get to know Jesus and his love better than I do today. The well-known hymn writer Isaac Watts has a hymn that we often sing during Lent, during the time of the year when we are following Jesus to his cross. But it really could be sung anytime because it's more about love than just about Lent. It's this one. You, some of you, I'm sure, know it. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain... I count but loss and pour what? Contempt on all my pride. Like you pour your old coffee from the day before on the ground. Can you pour contempt on your pride? On the part of you that is me first as you size up yourself? Who wants to do that? On the part of you that is me first as you size up other people? often blaming them. No, who wants to do that? Not me. When you size up God from a me-first perspective, no, never again. Pour contempt on your pride. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus. Live a life of love. God bless it. Time is precious. Thank you so much for investing some of your time with us today. Could I ask you for one more favor? If you're enjoying this podcast, please don't forget to click subscribe and give us a rating. Just a few seconds of your time will help other people hear the simple, straightforward Bible message we offer. Thank you so much. God bless your day in Christ.